one comment that people make that really, really annoys me is, I don't look like a disabled person. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Ah, Clara, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm loving the sunshine. I'm just, I'm lapping it up. I'm scared it's going to go in like a week, so I want to be in as much as possible. (laughs) I've got my fingers crossed that it stays until at least the end of September. Oh, yeah, that would be, that would be nice. An Indian summer, I'd be down for that. (laughs) Yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, all day long. (laughs) I am so looking forward to this chat today because I think there's going to be so much to talk about with regards to disabled modelling and how you got involved in that. And I'm just, I think it's going to be such an interesting one to me to learn from because I love talking to like all the people that come on the podcast. I love having these chats with them because I learn something new every single time. I feel like there's going to be something new that I'm going to learn today. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, well, thank you for having me on, inviting me on, um, you know, so that's great. And it also, I would also love to kind of like just be able to share and inspire others and just kind of like know that people like me do exist. And I think that's important. I think so too. So I'll dive in with my first question yes. for you. Okay. And Ready. that is, <laughs> how do you refer to your disability? So I have EDS, I'm a wheelchair user mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I'm disabled and proud to be disabled. Yeah. took me a while to get there, but I am. Yeah. And EDS is, it's Alan Dandros, isn't it? Yeah. And that's uh, to do with your joints. I know that much. Yes. So it's a connective tissue disorder. Um, your collagen does a bit. It's a bit all over the place and it kind of, your joints do more than they should do. And my my big thing for me, for one of the reasons why I'm a wheelchair user is because of my hips and my pelvis. That's where like, the main problem is, but it, it affects all your joints. Yeah. Um. It's so, and it basically like I dislocate very easily, I bruise very easily, but then it also comes with things like fatigue yeah. and being as well. So it's quite an extensive range of symptoms not everybody's wheelchair users some people are and some people aren't um some people use crutches or some people don't use any form of mobility aids at all so there's different severities in the condition um i've i've not been a wheelchair user all my life i've only been a wheelchair user for the past 16 and a bit years so I've had life on both sides of the track, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting because a close friend of mine does have EDS as well. And oh, I know that okay. it like it can differ from person to person and, and like exactly what you were saying in terms of like its severity, what joints can be more affected than others. So like, for example, my friends, it's her shoulders that tend to pop out left, right and center. Mm. And, I, and it's but for me, because it's so different to my disability, it's it's so interesting because I don't have those same problems. Like my my joints don't pop out. I just I'm missing a limb. So that creates other problems in my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm always intrigued to know about how it individually affects the person because it is just so individual. It's very individual. I mean, it's like a management pro- process. Like my 
my condition comes with a lot of pain. Um, you know, I'm always in pain. It's continuous. It it flares up. It, you know, so it gets. You know, if I, the more things I do, then like the more pain I'm in. Like as I get tired, it then becomes more painful. Then it's like a struggle because then you're like you're not being careful with what you're doing yeah. as well, yeah. and then therefore, what you're kind of injuring yourself sometimes, or like you do things and you're like because you're tired, you're kind of putting yourself in more pain. So it's a it's a balancing act. It's one that it requires um, pain management, planning, pacing. Um, but at the same time, I I do do a lot of people say, oh my gosh, you do so much. Like someone said, sent me a message yesterday saying how how much I inspired them because I I do in like two days what they don't do in two months. <laughs> but the thing about it, but the thing about it is, it's like it is a management process as well. Yeah. Like like I do train, I, do, I work out, but then I have like some hours off where I'm kind of like, okay, let's kind of rest and recover from that session. And then I go again, kind of thing. So I trained this morning, I had a rest period, then I had a shoot this this afternoon. And now I'm kind of, you know, I'm chilling, I'm talking to you, having yeah. a nice conversation. <laughs> and then it's, then I'll eat dinner and I'll kind of like wind down quite early. Yeah. So it's just about pacing yourself. But then tomorrow is quite a more chill day. It's not so packed. It's not so. So it's just about kind of management and managing of it. Also, sometimes just managing expectations. So people want you to be out like, yeah. oh, like here, there, everywhere. And people kind of like, they forget because I am so active and I'm out and about. They also forget like that there's that side of it sometimes and yeah. you have to kind of remind remind them and I feel like boundaries is like very important like for you to articulate your needs as well yeah for sure yeah so it is a it is a process um but yeah I do feel that you know like with anything in life sometimes you kind of like it's about balancing balancing act and too much of one thing isn't good um yeah but I was like well if I do nothing I'm in pain if I do something I'm in pain so I'm like so trying (laughs) yeah Yeah. keep it keep it balanced and yeah it's interesting because I uh, and the only reason I'm asking is because I remember my friend having a really difficult time being diagnosed with EDS and I remember it was like I remember I remember it being such a nightmare for her to try and be diagnosed and I was wondering yeah what was that process like for you because I've spoken to a few people with EDS and it generally seems to be that they almost bat this off as a diagnosis almost until the end point where they're like, actually, this is what it is. And and now we don't really know where we're going from here. I don't know if you've ever heard this saying, um, when you hear, um, when you hear, um, hoofs um think of horses not zebras mm-hmm. and that's one of the circum medical saying that they teach doctors and training saying that it's not always going to be some exciting diagnosis chances are it's going to be a bog standard thing it's just that it isn't something elaborate unfortunately with eds we are the elaborate we are the zebras yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know um hence why we are actually called medical zebras and that's kind of like our emblem for eds um so with that like they don't want to think that, oh, it's, it's probably this, it's probably that, because ten, nine times out of ten, that's what that is. But yeah. we are that one that it ain't. Yeah. And it's so hard because it, the process was, oh, my gosh, like, you know, there was there were so many like, missing or 
opportunities to diagnose me as a child growing up um like just like certain situations that they just didn't miss it's oh she doesn't want to go to school I mean like what child complains of back pain at nine years old like and hips and and you know that's not a thing that you know I shouldn't need an orthopedic bed at nine no. because my back was like like they just there was so many they're just oh she doesn't want to go to school that's not the case like sometimes like they just don't listen to children um and then growing growing up they you know they say oh it's growing pains it's this it's that it's classic growing pains <laughs> oh, growing those down growing pains <laughs> they're, they're responsible for so many things yeah. those poor things getting blamed everything um but yeah, and it was just a case of like like missed opportunities time and time again. And then back in 2015, uh, no, it wasn't 2015, it was 2005. Um, like it was so quickly, just went like, I literally went downhill real quick within like seven, eight months. I was, I went from not like no form of mobility issues to having mobility issues. I was on crutches to then being in a wheelchair. And it was like, wow. How am I using a wheelchair? Like there was a bit of, yeah, it was like, there was resistance to it. Like it sat there in the corner of the room for a month. I refused to, I was like, no, I'm not disabled, I'm not disabled. But I was just cooked to the point where I was like, well, how am I going to get there otherwise? So I had to think of it practically. Like, and, and then it was another two and a half years before I was diagnosed. And it was literally like banging my head against a bit wolf. Like, and the doctor's thinking like, you know, at one point I was thinking, is it in my head? I was literally about to say, did you go through the, is it me? Yeah, like literally, yeah, like literally I've, you know, so many different consultants, local hospitals, um, specialist hospitals, you know, this consultant, that consultant, this one's a top guy here, this one, this this one here. They, they wanted to open me up, but what are you looking for? And the next one was like, we're going to refer you to that one so he can do that. And then I was like, well, I can't do that without a, a reason. That's like, surgery is invasive. You don't just put anyone thinking, okay, let's see. Let's <laughs> like, see what's there. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Like, um, you know. M- like MRI after MRI, MRIs with dye, CT scans, all sorts. Of, I'm, I'm sure at one point they just like, was like, we just don't believe her because without actually saying so. And he's like, even at one point, it was like, well, it depends if you want to get better or not, you know, kind of talk like, you know, so they sent me for physio and it was making it worse. That's what yeah. sped up. Um, at the time I was on crutches and it kind of just, the physio made it worse and then it just, and he was like, well, if you really want to get better, you will do it. And I was like, I did it. And then I, and within a matter of weeks, I couldn't move at all. And it just made it, it just exacerbated it. I made it 10 times worse than it was. And it was only when I was diagnosed, they said that they, sh- they should never have gone through the physio in the first place. Um, it is unbelievably amazing how many times people get sent to physio for the wrong thing yeah and like people thinking that that's going to be like the cure like oh like your back hurts good physio yeah don't so get me physio, wrong physio is amazing if if you need yeah. it and it's like the right time yeah. and place but I agree like a plaster almost being like okay we'll just like plaster over the crack like don't worry about it yeah It'll but you've fine. not actually sorted the issue yeah you know, you've not sorted the issue and it, they've not you've not diagnosed me you want me to send me to physio and I was like you know and me questioning they always 
unfortunately put it down you know you could see in this face this difficult black woman like kind of thing as well not really listening to me um there's been times and it just didn't my boyfriend's white english and there's just times he just they just didn't even talk to me they just spoke to him like to say that i couldn't even understand what they were saying it was awful it was like literally like awful and you know he would be like well talk to her talk to her and he was like but it was almost i remember one time this doctor kind of eye rolled like to say i was being oh really like yeah i was like at this point like he had enough at this point and he managed to sort out um private medical care and private and then it was at that point when we started heading down the road to diagnosis and um we had been referred to this particular guy at the Royal Orthopaedic Hospital. And it was when we was, but the appointment kept on getting pushed back and it was like six months down the line. And then when we got the private healthcare, we were like, right, okay, let's get this sorted. And we saw him the following week on private. We were like, how does this work? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it was like, a, it was like a game changer because after it was, like he, for the first time, it felt like somebody was actually listening to me. It wasn't like a five minute, you barely get in the room and they're trying to get you out. It was like a whole hour. And like I've never spent that much time with any consultant or doctor that actually listened to what I was saying. And he did really did listen to what I was saying. He said that he had a, he thought he had an inkling on what, what the situation was. Um, and then he said he needs to do some investing to, to give work. You know, I went into hospital and then did that. And then when I came to, he was like, because I was um, under general anaesthetic. And when I came, and when I came through, he was like, I'm like 99.9% sure that this is what you got. Could have kissed him. (laughs) (laughs) He then referred referred me to... um, this a professor that's like the top guy in the world in this field mm-hmm. and I saw him like the following week and he confirmed it and like you know for the first time I had a name yeah. um and I just like if everything that he was talking about it felt like he was there spying on spying on me since childbirth <laughs> like since as soon as I was born he was like how did you know it's like he's telling my life story yeah it was just insane and yeah, I mean, I thought, yeah, they were like, oh, you know, maybe you need, look, I remember one of the surgeons said, I just think he just needs physio and counseling. I was like, that's not a diagnosis. This is, like, this is not why I'm still here. <laughs> like, no, like, you know, um, and it was great. And but then it, then it was the more, then I started mourning what, because at that yeah. point, the realization kicked in. And then, you know, um, you know, for two and a half years, you just wanted to have an answer. You wanted a name, got the name. And then it was like yeah. dealing with that name and then and what comes with it. And just realizing that I'm not going to be fixed. I'm not going to not ever feel like I'm in pain again. I'm never not going to walk. I'm never going to walk again. So it's that kind of realization. And you kind of mourn your old you. And then, then you realize you wasn't even happy when you were your old you. And you was you mourning something that you didn't even particularly. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so a like, cycle, I'm, isn't it? Like it's such it's a cycle because yeah. you, you, it's almost like relief because you now know exactly what's going on. But then at the same mm-hmm. time, like upset because nobody gave you the answer sooner. And also like a part of your life before like this diagnosis now no longer exists and there's a whole new life ahead of you. And, and like, there's, there's, that's a bit scary. It's a bit unknown. And it's yeah. not like when you get a diagnosis with 
like EDS or like if you acquire a disability, it's not like somebody hands you a handbook that's like, you're now disabled. Like these are all the things that you need to know about what's going to happen. And like, this is how you're yeah. going to feel. Like nobody gives you that handbook. You've got no. completely left to your own yeah. devices to figure out how you feel, what you feel. And also like, obviously internalized ableism is such a thing. Like figure that out, figure out like every X, Y, and Z. Your community-based, everything. Yeah, yeah like, it all changes. You know, your household, like stuff that you just putting up with for the time being. Now you now you're like, okay, this is this we need this needs to fix permanently because this can't, this is not this can't be working like we can't work like this for the rest of your life. You know, it, it, you kind of look at a, look a range of things like the vehicle we were driving, like the you know the the living situation. We was living in a studio, privately rented. That's not that can't work. The, 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 we couldn't have modifications. Yeah. I'm like, well, I can't live like this. Like, you know, and it's just so many different levels of things, and you're like that you've got to kind of factor in. Yeah. And yeah, they they sent me to rehabilitation. Um, which was more about getting used to the fact that this is the diagnosis. It's literally the last road when they send you there. It's like the last stop. And um, you have to add counsel, had therapy, and you know, you and you have that group sessions as well. And it and it did help because it kind of, you know, skills you'd like how to side transfer and yeah, you know, just like what Things to do with a job for. Yeah, like what to do if something drops on the floor. You don't bend, try and bend forward. You try and kind of pick it up from the side, not forward. Otherwise, you might fall like a chair forward. You know, li- things like that. So you, it's like literally kind of like learning. But it was like learning and mourning all at the same time. And, that you know, that process took about five years. North. And then, you know, I was, mid- I was in my mid-20s. I was like, you know, and then also like people associating disability with accidents and age doesn't help as well like this like, this exact thing <laughs> like like to say that everybody who's a wheelchair oh so, like even other even other people with disabilities they do the same thing and they were like oh were you in an accident no like and why are you asking me that <laughs> like, why do I have to tell you my medical history? And like, I don't, if I want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. It's not like I'm ashamed to talk about it, but I feel like when you've had no form of dialogue, no conversation, or you've only had just a hi, how are you? And all of a sudden it's, so why are you in a wheelchair then? And then they're like, oh, if you don't mind me asking. Then if you say, yeah, I do mind, then it looks like you've got the problem. It's one of those hard ones to balance. It is such a difficult one to navigate because like factually disabled people do not owe you their medical history at all. Like at all. They don't. But somehow society thinks that it's completely acceptable to suddenly ask someone their medical history. And I th- I think about this quite a lot. And I'm like, in a bar, if I was in a bar, I would never go up to like, I'm really sorry to discriminate against the gingers, but you're just the first group that came to my head. I'd never go up to a guy who's ginger and be like, oh, can you give me your medical history? Yeah. You wouldn't, you like, you wouldn't do it. So why yeah. is it acceptable to suddenly turn around and do it to like people who are disabled? How how is it acceptable? Like what I've just spoken about is exactly what happens to us, but yet we would never dream of doing it the other way. No, and it is quite sometimes it you know it's very intrusive. There's days that I don't mind being open, and then there's days I just want to get on with my life, like because I don't get up in the morning and be thinking, oh, I'm disabled. 
I'm disabled. And my medical history is this. You don't, don't, you get up and you get on with your life. And the only time that it's really a factor is when you find something that you're not able to access. Yeah. And that's the only time that I personally feel, not the only time, there's two times that I feel particularly disabled is when um, I can't access something that I want to access. And when I'm in excruciating pain and I'm absolutely like, Okay, I, I can't pretend anymore. I yeah. can't plow through it. This is like no, and I become irritable and like unfriendly. <laughs> and like, like your patience, just, so you just have not at that point. You're like, I don't have patience for this. I don't have time for this. Uh, I can't tolerate your nonsense anymore. Uh, and it's just, and those are the, and those are the times when I would feel. Um, particularly like to say but generally I, I, I don't as you said as I said I don't wake up first thing in the morning and be like huh yeah it's just like it's become part of who I am yeah um but at the same time there's more to who I am if that makes sense yeah and, it, and like, I think that's a really like it's an interesting one because it can be quite a fine line to dance between being like yes I am disabled and that is a massive part of me but also it's not necessarily my whole identity even though it is an identity marker and it's and it's trying to find that like I said like a fine line and it is literally a dance between my identity is a disabled woman or a disabled person or like that isn't my whole identity but it's a very big part of me and and like the two are not interdependent but at the same time sometimes they are it's it's like it's a really again it's a bit like a cycle isn't it because some days you feel like you're you're way more like you identify with that so much more than other days where like, you know, some days for me, for example, I'll just crack on and I don't even have to think about how I can't clap my hands. Like it's not something that I think about. And there are other days where I'm like, whoa, today is a day where like I can't carry everything I want to carry. I can't necessarily do the same stuff in the gym, which is going to annoy me, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like finding that line, isn't it? And you're like, oh, yeah. And, and I, I, I don't think there is ever going to be like an answer to where the line is. Like it's completely individual for everyone, but it's trying to like dance around it and find a, find a way that like suits you. Yeah, absolutely. Both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, with anything, it's about finding a balance and what works for you. Isn't really, you know, I'm to learn that it's not about making non-disabled people feel comfortable it's about me feeling comfortable um like I am not going to go into a space that is not being catered to me when I mean catered to me I mean like you know you go somewhere and the access isn't great and then they're like oh but we can carry you no you cannot no you cannot bring me um I was like oh but, but this is you know this is all oh, this few of us no there's two reasons one this back of my chair is heavy too. And I am, I'm not going to be carried in. I don't, I want to be able to just go in yeah. like everybody else. I don't want everyone looking at me being like, oh, look at, yeah, yeah. I don't want that. That's not what it's about. And while it is, it is nice that you offered the help, it's not the help we want. What the, the help we want is you getting a ramp. Yeah. <laughs> Pay 90 quid and getting a ramp. <laughs> And the, and the amount of places that don't have a ramp, and it's just like, it's not even that expensive. It's just crazy, to be honest. It's it's a wild one, but actually this this kind of ties in quite nicely with what I was going to talk about next. And 
And you said that your diagnosis happened around about when you're in your mid twenties, which can be quite like a formative time in most people's life and or like everyone's mm. life, to be honest. And I was wondering how did how did that diagnosis and, and and everything else that comes along with it how did that impact the career path that you went down and and what were your thoughts and feelings towards your career at that point in time and and how has it led you to where you are now? Um, it's interesting to be honest because. As a teenager growing up, I always wanted to be a model. And I remember going around to several big modeling agencies and seeing the likes of Naomi Campbell and Kate Moss on on walls and stuff like that. And they told me to lose weight. And I was, you know, I'm five foot ten. At the time I was size 10, I was very slim. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to do that. Like, especially like being Jamaican. (laughs) <laughs> it was this like I was already skinny in a way. So it just kept wanting to fat me up. So it's like I'm not gonna lose any weight. I'm like, so I had to accept that it just wasn't for me in a way. I was like, okay, maybe it's not for me, but it was always wanting, it's always something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a fashion model, I wanted to kind of work in that industry. I've always dreamt of working in fashion. Um, but I always wanted to travel as well. Um, and I kind of went down the travel route. Like so, I started. I actually was in my early twenty, early to mid twenties, actually working in the travel industry. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, then I became. Then I was made redundant because, like, at the time, uh, there were several wars going on, and certain events happened, and a lot of people was like not traveling as much, and uh, it, it kind of hit the travel industry, kind of like knock on. Um, the pandemic now <laughs> but we love the pandemic it was such a blast I know yeah but it's in, in, in this sense it was it was it was different because it wasn't because people um weren't able to travel people chose not to travel yeah so um unlike now everybody can travel and everyone's gone <laughs> and everyone's gone nuts now. for it haven't they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um so with that I, I you know I was made redundant it was either that would take a massive pay cut and I was like mm, I'm on the redundancy so I then went traveling and then when I came back I was um applying for some like some like airline jobs and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then it was at that point um that things started to go downhill yeah so yeah so that's what kind of happens really so at the time I was kind of I was doing like a part-time bar job trying to figure out my life yeah so I wasn't um do I try and stick in travel um I had like applied for some jobs abroad a student and things like that or do I want to be based here and so I had like several jobs interviews and stuff but like lined up but because of the my health situation I couldn't really because it was like a big question mark like what's going on yeah kind of thing and then it so and then as um I started to watch it it just became everything was just focused on that diagnosis like I did did not have like the mental capacity for anything else to be honest at that point Mm -hmm. so but yeah and then you know fast forward um, five years and then uh, coming out of this fog and started to live a bit and 
you know, I've got a, a power chair to be more independent. Yeah. And I moved out, got my house, live, live on my own. I wanted to know that I can be dependent on my own and yeah. independent as a disabled person as well. And just kind of get to know who I am again. And then I decided to start a blog in 2016. So this was like 11 years of now after the whole, like after the first kind of start of everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I started a blog a while started, um I was about to celebrate my blog's first birthday when I was scouted in the street by two women who belonged to a modern agency and they invited me to a test shoot uh-huh. and um, the next day and they signed me to their modeling agency and that's how I became signed and I worked with loads of brands yeah. but then also through blogging and social media and doing the influence inside content creation I've worked with even more brands and yeah so you know by doing what I what I was doing with the blogging and the social media route um that also has landed me opportunities to work with brands and stuff like being featured in Vogue for example so that was a, that was a pretty huge thing Especially that's massive like, yeah just casually yeah. cross over it like oh, I was once in Vogue like. yeah no so yeah it was like last yeah last September Amazing. so that was kind of um yeah so that was kind of cool that was like wow oh my gosh this is amazing yeah. um like yeah so I said okay my next house I've still got another dream of mine I've been in it just need to be on the front of it now yes I love that I love that yeah and I think disabled modeling is like firstly how serendipitous is that that you were like walking down the street and then you got like you got scouted like considering that's what you wanted to do when you were little like honestly like what a serendipitous moment being like here here it it is like your dream is literally being you know it's almost like the universe has like played its cards and been like this is you needed to do this because this had to happen because this is how it's going to work so it was so weird because I'm like, oh my gosh, here's me like two sizes bigger than I was back then, like a wheelchair user, older as well, like, you know, not 16, I'm in my 30s. And you're like, it's like, what? Like, I literally thought they were like, I thought they weren't being honest. I thought this is some kind of scam. This has got to be some kind of scam. But when when my other half and I, we went, I we were like, Okay, this that's serious. Now this, like, is, this, yeah. is, this is yeah, kind of thing. So like first of all, we just taking a pun. And that's why yeah. you come with me just to make sure. But yeah, I know it was really yeah, it was all serious. You know, I mean since then I'm not with them anymore, that modern agency anymore, but it was an it was a great kind of catalyst yeah. um to you know other things and other opportunities. And then just also like doing what I do as well. You know the two wets well, and you know the opportunities as well that I've had both as a model and an influencer, content creator has been yeah, yeah. like, and I think it's so important that because you know we talk a lot about representation of disabled people, and like mm. it's one of our like it is it's one of our favorite topics to talk about because you know it, like historically and also factually disabled people are completely underrepresented in every spectrum yeah. of life like that's that's not me playing like a woe is me card that is like that's factual and I think yeah. it's so important to have people like you who are who are modeling and representing and and showing up in spaces like Vogue to show that actually disabled people women can can get there like that's it's not 
unachievable for disabled people because you know like you think about 10 15 years ago it would have been unachievable like that that representation did not exist and actually you know as disabled modeling and representation grows and grows and grows you're kind of becoming a trailblazer for that because you're at the forefront of it like I remember seeing you in a Tala campaign and I can I literally Ah, I can see it in my head and it's like a like a turquoise like two-piece set and I can see it so clearly because I was like yes another brand is taking a disabled woman and putting them in sports stuff and like for me sport is like it's a big part of my life so when when a sports brand embraces the disabled community I'm more likely to buy from them as is every other disabled person like because we are being represented and I just think it's so fun I still I, wear Tala. I was wearing Tala today. In general, yeah, yeah, I was. I still wear Tala. Like, I, I love their um, brand, you know, and even just going on there, like, even on their website, I see, I was on their website the other day and I was like, oh, let me see what they had some offers. So I was looking and then I saw myself, so I was like, there's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these like years on, like, my image is still. So it's just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of I think it was um, for the, the lingerie, the the little yeah, the, the the knickers and the the top, you know, like the yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, which by the way is so bloody comfortable. <laughs> it's so comfy because I wear it all the time. But yeah, it's and it's you know it's good quality stuff. It lasts as long, but it's great sustainability, and it's nice when a brand kind of, as you say, embraces you know different communities as well. Um, you know, we, we do talk about representation matters. Sometimes it does feel like we're preaching to the choir on that one because obviously we all know that, you know, it matters and we need it and what how vital it is. But yeah, the people that really need to hear it is the people outside yes. um, of that community. And I feel like sometimes one of the best ways to, for me personally, um, my way was showing them. Yeah. Showing them what I can do. This is what I can do. We can we can shout and we can make a lot of noise, but sometimes just doing because you know they say action are you know bigger than words. And then yeah. and so and sometimes you know that's that's what you need rather than saying oh this is what I can do. Why don't you have me like well this is what I do. Here's my image. I'm tagging you. You can see it now. Yeah. And you know for me personally that's always been an avenue of I wanted my space that I created on in social media and doing what I'm doing and everything for it to be positive and um there's a lot of spaces that um that are already very vocal and I didn't want to be like I wanted to be more inclusive where it's not being people are not not listening because they don't they're not part of that community yeah my you know my my following are people with disabilities and people without disabilities and and which is a great thing because how best to learn and try and make that change if they're not there how you how are you going to do that so I didn't want to make a space or create a space where um they're not in the room. I wanted them to be in the room. I wanted them to be at the table. I wanted us. The idea is that we're all at the table and to see that what we can do and the work we can do, like the the quality that we can produce, you know, the work, um, the ethic, 
you know, we're not lazy. We're, you know, we 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 want to work, but we also want to be paid well. We want to be taken, you know, heard, seen, and taken noticed. Seriously. Yeah, and taken seriously, you know. Um, but I'm very much a. I'm not going to wait for the door to open. I am busting it down kind of girl. <laughs> yeah, I always say that if there isn't a seat at the table, I will stand on the table. <laughs> I'll be that person. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll be spooled out all over the table. You will see me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a great dancer. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's been very much that has been like my ethos from mm-hmm. the beginning, from me starting my blogging and social media and stuff like that. It's that's the way I've always dealt with it. But by I mean everybody's different, as I said, everybody's yeah. people, you know. I personally, when I was looking for somebody that looked a bit like me in the lifestyle that they led, I couldn't find anybody. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be positive. I just want them to, I just want to see someone like me dressed nicely, doing something that I going out to dinner, traveling, having a party, and whatever it may, having a drink or two, like just like life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I I couldn't find that. I didn't find that. I didn't find anyone that looked like me. Um it's, you know, in the disabled community, I couldn't um somewhere that is as positive or has had a positive space that could help me on how I felt and yeah. get out of the place that I was. And I was like, okay, well, if I can't do that, once I felt like, you know, I'm on a better journey now, maybe I can start sharing my journey and then hopefully it will help somebody else. That was, if they are in that position or if, somebody you knew was in that position that you can be like oh hey check this out kind of thing um because that would have been amazing to me yeah um and and I feel like you know even children growing up as well if parents see the potential of other people with disabilities then they will have hope for their children as well and I feel that's also really really important um, not just the person themselves, but maybe the carer or provider or their guardian or, you know, friends around them, you know, just kind of see that you can live life to the fullest. You can, you know, go after your dreams. You do matter. You are seen. You are, you know, yeah, sorry, I'm going on and on. No, I love it because that's exactly why I created this podcast was because I wanted to hear conversations between disabled people where disability wasn't necessarily the focus but it was the thing that they had in common because quite often I personally find that when a disabled person is being interviewed it's all about them and their life and 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 like is it a tragedy or is it not a tragedy and there's never really any different spin on it it tends to be either like pity party or like oh my goodness congratulations for existing and there doesn't tend to be like yeah. in between. And I was like, where can I find these conversations where people are like, yeah, I'm disabled. It's not the most interesting part about my life. These are all the other cool things that I've done, but disability happens to be a factor as well. And I couldn't yeah. find it. And so, and I think you've almost done the exact same is that you've created the space that you wanted to see and you wanted to, to, to listen to and, and to show, and to show people as well. Cause I'm very much, I, like I'm very aware that this podcast is is a lot about disability and, and that's what joins us all together. 
But at the same time, I, I love it when able-bodied listeners listen to this and they're like, whoa, like I learned something new today. And I'm like, oh, like amazing. That's like, I've done my can you job. you hear that? So, sorry, can you? No, you I can't, can't hear anything. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Don't know if there's something, it's like something like a car going off or something. It's just... <laughs> Just making sure that you couldn't hear that over the yeah, don't want it. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. But and, and like you said, you you want to have everybody at the table so that they can learn something new from everybody else. And I think that's a really brilliant way of of, of putting it because it's so true. Because screaming and shouting within the disabled community can be loud, right? We but we both know that. Mm. But there's only so much screaming and shouting that being inside the disabled community helps. You almost yeah. want to look outwards to, yeah. to help the situation. Yeah, yeah, and I also find I like I also found some of the spaces that are screaming and shouting. I found it exhausting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very. It, it was it was like a negative impact on my mental well being. Yeah. But it's not what I wanted. You're just feeding me what I already feel or what yeah. I already see or what I'm already experiencing and what I want right now is hope uh-huh. I you know I want to be inspired and I couldn't find that and then there's and then there's the next thing as well when I did see like a couple of people doing something that was against the grain they weren't black they weren't a black woman they wasn't you know as I said, like sometimes, you know, being a black woman and trying to get a diagnosis was so difficult as well. Um, so it's like another, it's like another thing. It's another, it's like another layer. layer to the cake, isn't it? Like it's, it's not another... just a Victoria sponge. It's like a fucking stacked cake of like every single flavor. That goes yeah. On. yeah. It's a Victoria sponge with, with spot with jam on top with coconut. <laughs> it's just, it's got frosting. Like, but yeah, so it's like, you know, and seeing that, because like, especially in certain communities, certain ethnic communities, mm-hmm. um, you, we don't see enough of like disabled people doing something as well. They're not, they're maybe hidden away, you know, they're still of that old kind of how disabled history has gone on and certain communities not have had, haven't because of where they are economic economically they've not had an opportunity to kind of progress from that way of thinking so they're a little bit behind so sometimes they're a little bit behind in that or they don't have the infrastructure Mm -hmm. to kind of um have their people be seen if you see what I mean um and then also like (laughs) sometimes that's just the way of thinking like people will be like oh my gosh you're too young and I'm like oh no (laughs) yeah it's just like you know oh but you're and you're black and I'm like What's race and age got to do with it? Like, it's just like, you know, they just, they just, because they don't see it. Yeah. When, when what they see, it could be like non black people, non brown people, but they don't see Asians or yeah. black people being, you know, so therefore, if you're not seeing that and you're only seeing one type of pet, like disabled person as well, who is be vocal, but has you know because they have that privilege that they can do. Yeah. Then they feel then it's like well we're not like them. We don't have that opportunity. We don't have that same privilege. So it's like another, it's another layer. And I just mm-hmm. yeah you know I needed, I wanted something that I would have needed 
at that time. Yeah. And I hope I'm hoping that the space that I create is as inclusive as I could possibly be. Obviously, it's not going to be 100% to everybody's liking or yeah. needs. Um, let's be honest, it's impossible to to do so. Yes, I Everyone has that the other day. Yeah, everybody has their own opinions. Disabilities come in different forms. We, while we may have that title, we also are a variety of people, just as there's a variety of non-disabled people, just like there's a variety of people that can read at different levels and have maths at different levels. I could do quantum physics and algebra, and it's those that just add up. It's just... <laughs> There is the We have different levels, and everybody's, you know, you've got brown hair, blonde hair, you know, like you, you've got different, different short, tall, you know, like everybody's different, you know. But you know, we all have differences. Um, it's just when it comes to certain abilities that you have a a, a title on it. But if you start looking at each other as people, and you know, and to be like, okay. I don't see why we can't have a model going down the wrong way, you know? And I love that so much because what what you say about inclusivity is that as soon as you try and include everyone, you're never going to make everyone happy because it's, it's impossible. Like, and there's that, like, what's the like, famous phrase is that like, you could be the juiciest peach in the whole world, but there'll still be someone who fucking hates a peach. <laughs> like, yeah. that, like and, it's, and it's true because there will be. And yeah. And it's it's such it's such an interesting one to, to talk about because what you and I might find inclusive, someone else might think is absolutely a, like an abomination, or like what yeah. I might find inclusive is what you might not find inclusive, and it's and it's having those conversations without being offended and learning because there's ignorance for ignorance' sake, and then there's ignorance for like just being a dick because you don't mm. know what you don't know, right? And and yeah. that's and that and that's like the truth of the matter, isn't it? And like, you know, some people are ignorant because they just don't know, whereas some people are ignorant because they're assholes. And like, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 sometimes with those people, there's no arguing. Yeah, with with them sometimes you're like, oh, okay, honey. <laughs> like no matter how many times I scream and shout at you, you're just never gonna understand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I feel like. You know, I'm, you know, I hope that I, you know, if, oh, so if I inspire one person or I've given hope to one person or somebody, le- one person can like learn from my journey and what I've put out there, then it will be great. And, you know, and then, you know, there's times when you're like, oh, am I making a difference? You know, at the same time, this is a job, this is a career, you know, this is like, you know, a roof over my head and, you know, and everything else. So it's like, you know, you take it seriously at the same time. It's not just like, oh, it's a hobby. It's not something you just kind of like, okay, I'm not doing this no more. I'm not doing it today. I'm going back to my day job. This is my job. Yeah. You know, you know, I, you know. One one of the reasons why I also created it was because um, and doing what I'm being able to do, what I do is that going to an office every day and working for someone else while trying to manage my condition. I think isn't necessarily going to work. It's not really yeah. going to be ideal. At least I can be understanding about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the reason why I can't turn up today. <laughs> yeah. You it's know, so true. Like those days when you're like, I'm just going to sit so far with my feet up. I'm in agony, but I'm going to do some emails and just be like, I'm apologise for like 
being a bit delayed or, you know, like in your my reply kind of thing. But also just, yeah, and managing the expectations of the brands as well. So, well, okay, well, generally I'm like, well, my shoot day for this week is going to be on that day. So if you can get me the items to that, then I can do that because I'm doing a load of other things as well that day. And that's how I kind of manage it, especially on the influencer side. And then I'm kind of... Like if I've got a shoot with a brand, like I'm going to shoot, then I'm like, okay, that day. And then the day before I need to rest. I don't need to do like, I'm going to go gym in the morning, but in the afternoon, I'm going to have a nice relaxing kind of slow chilled afternoon because I know that I'm going to be out first thing in the morning. And it's like a balance like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then those days I'm like, okay, so early night, I wake up in the morning. I might go gym. I might not go gym because obviously <laughs> how my body feels after the day because it's actually quite tiring. People don't realise how much physical work goes into it. So you need that stamina as well. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that, that you like you we move on to this because the next question that I was gonna ask, and I think it's I think it's actually a really interesting one, particularly for, for you and your story, mm. is that I I personally believe that through like dark and hard times, which which you know we all go through dark and hard times at some point in our lives, is that actually mm. if you can focus on a positive attribute within yourself you will find that that gets stronger or you'll come out of like a dark period of time and be like, whoa, I'm really impressed that I'm, I carried on with this or like this attribute is actually so positive for me and I love it about myself. And I was wondering if you noticed any positive attributes about yourself during like the period of time that you've spoken about where you, you kind of, after your diagnosis, where you were a bit unsure mm-hmm. and you felt like you had a bit of a fog. Did you, have you noticed like a, a personal positive attribute about yourself when it comes to that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, one of the things that um, I realised was being self-aware. Mm-hmm. How self-aware I was and in tune I was with my body and with my mental health. Because I, I kept saying to people that I'm clinging on by my fingernails. I'm really clinging on to sanity with my fingernails. And it was like a way of kind of like asking for help. And I just didn't know how to ask for it. I'm like, um, and at the same time, a lot of people just kind of like, oh, you'll be fine, buck up, you know, read a book, do something different, you know, that kind of thing. Have you tried yoga? (laughs) You know, there was so many different things. And like, and one of the things I was like, okay, do you know what? Stop. Boundaries. And I would say that's probably one of mine. I had to put boundaries in place because people around that, I was like, right, this is, you're not actually helping me. Yeah. And um, you, all you're doing is you, they kept on looking for cures and stuff like that. And they're like, and I was just like, no, I need to accept. And if you can't accept that, I need to accept that. And maybe I can't be around you right now. Yeah. Like, I love you, but that doesn't mean I can be around you right now. Yeah. And it's just, and you know, making sure that I articulated how I felt. So if, in terms of possible, um, like attributes, I think boundaries yeah. and um, is one of them is because um, it's, it's something that a lot of people said I'm actually quite good at. I was like, oh, I wish I could create boundaries. Like you, you're so good at creating boundaries. And I was just like, for my own well-being, I've had to. And yeah. I realised that, and it was one of the things that got me out of that fog, that has put me on this path, and that is still, like, on where I am today. And something I still do today is, like, um, I set boundaries. No, that's not happening. No, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. No, this is it, you know. As I said, like, you know, I was like, 
okay, this is my shoot day. If you want it done and you want it like, otherwise you're going to have to wait till next week. I've got other things going on. I have to plan. I've got to, you know, you've got to plan your diary, plan your rest, everything, everything gets planned. Spontaneity gets planned. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I could be spontaneous between this day on that day or the time. <laughs> Between two and five, they are my spontaneous hours. Yeah, Take your between, pick. <laughs> yeah, so it's like between two and five on a Tuesday or a Thursday, every <laughs> other Thursday, but not the same Thursday. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Wednesdays, oh, Wednesdays is like a, a rest day because if I've been spontaneous on Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to definitely need the rest on the Wednesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And that's for Sundays. Don't ask me. Yeah, Sundays just are a write-off. Like, no way Sundays now. Are, Sundays are a no. <laughs> I do not leave the house on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Like You have to be very special for me to leave the house on a... Vogue made me leave the house on a Sunday. And you're, if you're not on Vogue, the front cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, I did, when I did the Vogue shoot, it was on a Sunday. And I was like, it's a Sunday. And they were like, it's Vogue. I went... It's still a Sunday. It's still a Sunday, but I'm going to do it. Like, I'm like, through gritty okay. teeth. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It literally was. I was like, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's the you know, I like to have my lion and put a face mask on and have a lazy. I like it's like my one hundred percent recuperation day. I, I don't leave the house. Yeah, like my sister, sister the other day, she was like, "Oh, do you fancy going to a rooftop bar on a Sunday?" It's not gonna happen. <laughs> Sunday, you already know the answer, isn't no? it? I was like, "It's a Sunday." I says, "Yeah, but." If it's a back holiday Monday, maybe. <laughs> then, I can have, then I'll move Sunday to Monday. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I would say like boundaries and just kind of, you know, knowing what's works for you, mm-hmm. that's suited for you, my, um, my well-being, my mental and physical well-being, um, articulating that and um, setting those boundaries. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. And interestingly, I think that like setting boundaries is probably like it's a good piece of advice for anyone. And I just wondered, do you have a piece of advice for either a younger Clara or a younger person with the same disability as you? I would say <clears throat> life is not over. What's happening at your end now? There's like a gang of mopeds outside. You can't can you oh. hear that? No. no, I can't hear it either. There's like six of them. I, I don't know where they came. They all sounded like little like flies. I was like, this is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say to, to a younger Clara, you are loved. You will be loved. Life goes on. It won't stop. And you're going to have an amazing life. Yeah. Things get better. For sure. I love yeah. That. Yeah. And to somebody who is younger, aim for the universe, not the sky, not the stars, but for the universe. Like end of the day, it's if you want whatever you want in life, if you really want it, you can work at it. You make it happen. You know, if you can't see it, be it. And um, anything is possible. So never stop believing. Oh, I love that. Manifest what you want. I actually love that. So I feel like you just spoke to like a part of my like my chest at that point. Like I felt like what you said. I was like, oh yeah, like I love that so much. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's people say the even for the, the sky's the limit, but it's like no, it's not. It's not. No. And I and I love that because I I've I've obviously like as you, when you're little you always get told like aim for the moon and you'll fall amongst the stars but what like what you said is actually like no fuck the stars like aim for the mm-hmm. universe because that's way bigger and it's cooler <laughs> yeah it's the you know like just aim big aim you know to you know literally infinity and yeah. just like anything is possible and if you if you can't see yourself represented out there then you use yourself to represent others and you know, create something that would be mega. Yeah. That your that your young self would have loved to have seen. Oh, I love that so much. And this is going to take an absolute like 180, 360. I'm not necessarily sure of the masks. I'm not very good at it. But <laughs> I always think about intrusive questions that people ask me because I mm. find them interesting, sometimes funny, sometimes annoying. Oh, um, one that gets me the most is did a shark bite your arm off and like no no it never that never happened but I'm always intrigued to hear about what other people's intrusive questions are that they find like slightly annoying or and hilarious by other people um unfortunately I haven't got any hilarious I don't know if I, I don't know if they're hilarious I get what one one, one comment that people make that really, really annoys me is I don't look like a disabled person. Like, I was like, mm, you're not, the way you dress, the way you are, like, you, you don't look like a disabled person. Like, I don't know. It's like, sometimes people have this, it's like, am I meant to wear a particular kind of clothing and zip it up to be like, okay, I'm disabled kind of thing. Like, do I have to put on a uniform? Like, fashion is for everybody because everybody yeah. wears it. None of us wants us around naked. So it doesn't matter if I'm yeah. fashionable or I just wear fashion. Yeah. Just say I'm fashionable. Girl, you're fashionable, you know. you got a style. Just say that. Yeah. <laughs> say to people. I said, you know what? You should have just said it. Girl, I like your style. I do like your style. That's what you should have said. Like, just go with that. Go with the first thing. Go with the nice compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Just say, just say, like, do you know what, girl? I like your style. Thank you. Well, but then you don't look like someone who's disabled or a disabled person, like, just as like, because at the end of the day, it's like I said to someone the other day, there is fashion. There's someone that wears fashion and then people that are fashionable. Clearly, I'm fashionable and I have style. <laughs> right? But those that just wear fashion, you could be disabled or non-disabled. Mm-hmm. You just wear fashion. But you can also have people who are fashionable and have style who are disabled and not disabled. That is it. Yeah. Clothes are clothes. It's made for everyone and no one walks around naked. <laughs> it's a fact. That's why it's so funny. Because <laughs> like, it's the truth of it. And I, and I, I, lo- I think that's, yeah, I think that's hilarious and perfect yeah. as well. Yeah, so I would. There's that one. Obviously, the medical history bit yeah. is quite annoying. People ask, "Do you have sex?" I say, "Do you have sex?" Why do you? This okay. So you're not you're not going to be the first person to say that to me, but you're also not going to be the last because I hear about this so much, and I just don't like who who thinks it's acceptable to go up to someone and be like, "How does it work?" Yeah. Does, do you still do you still have sex? And you're like, or can you have sex? Or can you have children? Do you want children? 
If you have children, would you have your will it will it will it have your condition? Or is that the reason why you don't have kids yet? You know, all those kind of questions. You're like, just why? Much. Is that the reason? Is is you being nosy the reason why you haven't had children yet? Because <laughs> you're too small. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable how much people think disabled people owe them in terms of like the answers to the questions that they ask. Like yeah. I'm not an encyclopedia for you to ask all your questions. Like I don't, we don't, I don't need to share this information with you. I don't need to. And also I don't need to educate you on my own disability. Like if we're friends, maybe but if we're not, and I don't know you, you can piss off. Like I don't yeah. care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. So those are the questions that I tend to, Oh, can you stand at all? I know there are people who are wheelchair users that can stand and they can walk, but unless they someone tells you, can you, I would me personally would rather you presume that I can't. Uh-huh. Like, I know some people may not feel like that, but that's that's their choice if they can, right? But for me personally, it's like I'm like, no, if I could. I would have got out this chair and got up the stairs myself. <laughs> you know, and then the one that I get the most from taxi drivers, which is quite hilarious. And I don't know, sometimes I have, depending on my moods, <laughs> depends the answer that I say. They pull up and they're like, do you need the ramp? I don't know. I don't even know. I sort of say that. So there's times when I'm not in them. I'm like, sometimes I start, obviously. And I went, no, I'm going to be Fred Flintstones and I just stand up and pick up the chair like this. I'm good. There's times when I want to be petty like that. They don't like when I'm being petty like that, though. But there's times when I am petty like that. Yeah. Um, and then there's times I'm like, yeah, because this this is this water doesn't go upstairs yet. Like, no. <laughs> it's got steps yet. It, it hasn't quite worked out how to go up a step yet. So, yeah, I definitely do need a ramp. Like, Again. And all, all day people ask me, is the chair coming in as well? No, I'm leaving it behind. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it on the sidewalk. Like, it's just going to stay here because you can just you know, it's, actually it's, pick it's, one up on the sidewalk as you yeah, do. This is this is like, you know, like, like a trolley basket you get in a supermarket. You could just like, you use it, you leave it anywhere, like kind of thing. It's it's, it's one of those. It's not... Yeah. Rent a chair. We just like, we just like say where our location is and someone like magically appears in the new chair. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah, is that old, 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 is that coming with you? Like, where else is it going to go? And then they say, oh no, because I know disabled, some disabled people can walk. What? And they leave their chair. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, it comes in afterwards. But okay, but that wasn't the question you just asked. <laughs> yes, it literally just, it does actually depend on my mood for that answer. Because as you can imagine, it can go so many different <laughs> I th- do you know what though I think that's the same with all disabled people it literally like it depends what mood you catch people in and like yeah. say, like don't get me wrong that's the same for like 99.9% of the population but particularly when it's like a question about disability like it really depends what mood you catch that person in because there have been times where I've been so blunt and so honest and then there have been times where I've been like I can't even have this conversation and like walked away or other times where I've kind of like fed into a lie and I've been like, yeah, like this is how it is for everyone. And you like, you see the story formulating in people's faces and then you're like, no, all of that's a lie. How did you believe that? Like, like how? <laughs> like, 
Like we don't have some secret society where we all hang out and we all swap like mobility aids and all that kind of stuff. Like that doesn't happen. That's not how it works. Yeah. But like, I'm no. really happy that you thought that it did. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is, it is, can be, yeah, it's papers. <laughs> so yeah, so those are kind of like my weird ones. And it just depends on my, on how petty yeah. I want to be that time. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I have only got one more final question for you, Clara. And and that is, can you say that you're disabled and proud? I am disabled and proud. (laughs) I'm proud to be disabled. (laughs) Thank you so much for giving up your time today um, for coming on this podcast. I have genuinely loved it and I've learned an awful lot as well, which is exactly what I wanted out of it. And I'm sure loads of other people will as well. And I think it's just been a fantastic chat about disability and inclusion and representation. And like, I can only say thank you because I've loved it. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm pleased that you are happy with how it went. And <laughs> yeah, just, um, I know I'm, I'll probably, you know, talk a lot more than I needed to. <laughs> I probably chop this down really small. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you for having me on yeah thank you so much thanks for listening to this episode of disabled and proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then i'd absolutely love to hear it tag me on your insta stories at disabled and proud podcast